0: Hey y'all, I'm Taryn Finley, a senior culture reporter at HuffPost, and this is, I know that's right, a weekly podcast about the latest in culture, entertainment, and trending conversations get comfy because we're going to that sweet spot where mainstream news and the wild west of internet culture collide from the news that makes us say i know that's right to the mess that you know is as dead wrong as Risa tisa's ex-husband child what's that about (laughs) i'm breaking down the week that was and we've got so much to talk about then as always i'll bring in a guest for an in-depth conversation this week we're talking about the ever confusing dating discourse on social media with cultural critic and author Michael Arsenault this is I Know That's Right I Know That's Right all right y'all with another week behind us I'm back in y'all's ears with another episode ahead starting with the stories that stood out to me this week first and foremost I'm gonna go ahead first and foremost I'm gonna go ahead and give my I Know That's Right to Essence magazine writer Brooklyn White Greer girl I gotta go ahead and clap for you because you did what not many can do y'all she got beyonce to talk to us the texas hold'em singer graced the march cover of essence magazine and brooklyn spoke to her about her new hair care line sacred which launched on february 20th and this is important for so so many reasons of course like yes the hairline is cool like we celebrate that but The main thing here is that Essence, a black-owned and run magazine and the only one still in existence, has the biggest global superstar on their cover right now. That's so important, not just for black journalism, but journalism, period. And for Brooklyn to be the person behind the pen asking questions with nuance and thoughtfulness like she regularly does, it's just so impactful. This really is, I can't understate this, a big deal. Okay. It sends a huge message also so that other talent can stop discounting outlets that celebrate marginalized communities, especially communities that look like them and opting for the vote covers, the vanity fairs, the time features like, yes, these things are great, but also marginalized journalism matters. That's it. Like, that That really is it. Black journalism matters. Especially when outlets like Essence, Vibe, and <coughs> HuffPost Black Voices were some of the first places that covered your work, not just for the big stars, but also the up-and-coming stars. Like, let's be real. And shout-out to Beyonce and her team for making this happen, but especially to Brooklyn for delivering in such a major way follow her, read her work, support black journalism, support journalism period. It's it's so important, y'all. So, yeah, I I got to I got to go ahead and clap for that. I got to go ahead and clap for that. Period. Next, I'm asking, I know that's right about our favorite dating reality show that everyone is watching right now. I feel like it's my guilty pleasure, it might be yours too. Love is blind. I'm so torn this season. I don't know about y'all, but this is the most scandalous and entertaining season that we've seen in a while. The last few seasons, mm, they kind of lost me in a few parts, but baby, this season, I'm sad. It's delivering every episode. Outside, like, we we had a little slow start. I will admit, there was a, a little slow start. I was like, mm, we gonna see. But baby, we got to it and we got to it, right? Of course, y'all know, I talked about the season, the first six episodes of the season last week with Aaron Evans, but I gotta go ahead and and, and just keep diving into this, y'all, because it's really good. But let's be real, as entertaining as this season is with the twists, the turns, the, the characters, I know it's reality and this is a cast, but these people, a lot of times in their antics feel like characters it's so entertaining but let's be real it has real life implications and nobody needs to get married on this season okay okay I'll give it to you Johnny and Amy y'all cute y'all cute and I want to see y'all make it to the altar and say I do and all that but I feel like y'all got to figure out that whole birth control situation. Is that that's a serious subject. I do feel like however, out of all the couples, they communicate and I feel like they're going to work their issues out a little bit more than everybody else. Everybody else y'all need to break up. Y'all need to break up. Okay? First of all, Chelsea and Jimmy keep lying to themselves and each other and Nobody believes you. Nobody believes y'all. They act like they have such deep feelings for each other, but they keep having the same argument over and over again. Jimmy's low-key mad that she doesn't look like Megan Fox, but is trying to get over it. But on the surface, you could tell that he's really not over it. Like He's starting to warm up to her a little bit more than I expected him to. But then when they get into arguments, their last argument is, He called her clingy and called her out on her insecurities. And I don't think that that is the kind of partner that Chelsea is looking for, you know, even when shit does get ugly. And then Chelsea, Chelsea is big insecure. She's so insecure. And I don't think that she's admitting to herself that Jimmy is not the one for her. Jimmy's doubts about Chelsea are so evident, they're so clear, but Chelsea, you have to look a little bit deeper, but you can tell that there are seeds of doubt when it comes to how Chelsea interacts with him. The questions that she asks him about like, oh, do you love me? You don't say you love me. You don't kiss me. I feel like if she had a partner that she was a little bit more secure with, then maybe she wouldn't be doing all this. But also, maybe if she went to therapy a little bit more, she also wouldn't be doing all this. But I don't know. Point being, it feels like both of them are questioning their decisions and want out. They they don't need to be engaged. And then on to Clay and AD. Now, these two, I will admit, they look so good together. But like, that's literally on paper. AD, such a sweetheart but Clay keeps dropping these seeds of doubt that give me pause. AD is obviously just so into him and very in, in this relationship. But I can't really tell where Clay's head is at. Which means he probably isn't that into it. Because, child, y'all, y'all know how men operate. This man don't want to get married. Like, let's be honest. He don't want to get married. When they were in the pods, he was like, oh, um yeah i don't know if i can propose to someone that i don't know what they look like like sir do you know what show you're on and then you know in these most recent episodes we're hearing him vocalize that doubt a little bit more in a different way telling her like i don't want to let you down oh my dad cheated i'm afraid i'm going to cheat and it's so weird because his mom is so level-headed. A.D. Uh, and Clay, they have a meeting with his mom and she gives them some of the most sound advice that I heard from any family member that that's come on this season. It's really weird that, I mean, yeah, as a man, you're looking to your father and trying to see like, okay, how did he show up as a husband? How can I show up as a husband? But at the same time, your mama is right there giving you gems. And I feel like you paying it dust because your daddy took you on infidelity trips, which is a whole other thing. Baby, you need to be in therapy too, because I really feel like you about to break AD heart. Yeah, my sis don't deserve that, okay? Like, I, I I don't know what it is, but I just... Actually, I know what it is. I just don't like the way that y'all are treating AD this season. It's showing very much, like, y'all are sexualizing this this Black woman who is, you know, has an amazing body, but also, like, it gives objectified. It really gives objectified, not only from Clay, as her husband at times, but also from the whole cast. I, I don't like that shit. Um, and then, of course, Laura and Jeremy, shout sure, they don't like each other at all. They talk shit about each other in their faces and act like it's a joke. It's really nothing cute about that. When Jeremy met Laura's family, like they called them out on that in a very nice way, but it's also like, y'all are taking digs. And then... I really thought that Laura's mean ass, because I really don't like her, y'all. I thought she was going to be the one that I dragged the most. But I had to clap when she caught Jeremy up in a lot and walked that man down after he came home at 6 a.m. Y'all, she said, Jeremy said that he was in the parking lot talking to Sarah Ann. Sarah Ann, of course, he had connected with in the pods no he lied to her she had her his location and she realized that he was uptown where sarah ann lived like Jeremy you You really wild for that You are really wild for that And you mad you got caught And honestly I wouldn't be surprised If he really did Spin the block on Sarah Ann On some uh, What's up I'm actually in love with you I made a, a huge mistake I thought Jimmy was gonna do that With Jessica But Jimmy hasn't met Jessica yet So We'll see how that turns out, child. And then, you know, the, Kenneth and uh, Brittany, they didn't even need to be together. I, honestly, it wasn't nothing but the the Bible keeping them together. They had nothing in common. Uh, I don't have much to say about them other than, like, good job, y'all. Y'all realized y'all didn't need to be together a lot quicker than these other couples. I hope that that they call it quits, not, not just, you know, uh, laura and jeremy but some of these other couples i really hope they call it quits before they even get to the wedding but at the same time a part of me is like oh i kind of want to see the mess of what happens notoriously as some of these couples say no at the altar we gonna see i'm i'm tuned in i'm sad i'm just like all right it's it's giving a little bit this season it's giving a little bit Okay. All right, now finally, on to the dead wrong of the week. Tiffany Haddish, I'm looking at you. Yes, I'm looking at you. The comedian went on Instagram Live from her business class seat on some flight, y'all, announcing that she's traveling to Israel to find a man and quote, see for herself. I. <laughs> I, I can't make this up. Just just take a listen.
1: You might come back to Little Jewish
0: Baby. On my way to Tel Aviv, then to Jerusalem. Then I'm going to the Dead Sea and go and give me some. Gonna have some fun, yeah. It's gonna be great. Then I'm gonna learn about the politics. Hey. See, I feel like. I can't can't believe everything I see on the internet. I can't believe everything everybody's saying to me on the internet. I need to go see for myself. (sighs) Haddish said that she doesn't trust social media to inform her about what's going on. That's so fair. There's so much misinformation going on. And on his head, on his head, an immersive trip to understand what's going on culturally and politically isn't a bad idea. But sis... You are doing this in the middle of a genocidal conflict and you already seem so misinformed on an issue, a political issue that has been going on for decades. During the live, she essentially said that Gaza was in Israel. What? (laughs) That shows how misinformed you already are of this when honestly, like you didn't even need to fly there to figure that out you could literally open up a textbook go to your local library you don't have to rely on social media for all of your information you literally can google like there are reputable sites go to JSTOR and look at some academic papers if you really need to but bruh (laughs) the ignorance itself isn't even the problem you know like As frustrating as it can be, it it really isn't the problem. Everyone should be eager to learn what they don't know. But this does show that you don't even take the weight of this situation seriously, Tiffany Haddish. You're not going in a work capacity or to be philanthropic and give back to any of the families or the people who are, have been hurt. You're not going to deliver, you know, eSIM cards or critical resources because there's literally a famine going on in Gaza. You're not going to do any of this because when people in the live asked you what you were going for, you said that you were going to see the sites, and learn about the political happenings and find a man and possibly come back with a quote Jewish baby girl what do you do you hear how you sound i don't think you hear how you sound you're going to a country in the middle of the war and you believe that you're going to be able to get into gaza cuz you said you wanted to see both sides quote unquote, your words. How do you think you're about to get to Gaza? Do you really think that you're going to be able to, Tiffany Haddish, just walk into Gaza when there have been resources, critical resources cut off, like food, water, fuel. Journalists haven't even been able to go there. The survivors are sheltering like 1.5 million are sheltering i need people to understand that money privilege access doesn't mean that you need to go everywhere i <laughs> i have to laugh i have to laugh because i don't even know what the hell is going on but girl get, good luck okay good luck <laughs> good luck those are the stories of the week y'all, but don't go anywhere because like I said, we will be talking about this love and dating discourse that always just seems to pop up on the timeline. I I, I don't know what y'all talking about. $200 dates, Cheesecake Factory ain't a real date. What do you bring to the table? All, all of these things, all of these things we're gonna be talking about with cultural critic and author, Michael Arsenault right after the break. Stay tuned because more I Know That's Right is coming up.
1: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing, so we made ByHeart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: Welcome back to I Know That's Right, y'all. All right, y'all, we're about to get into my conversation with Michael Arsenal, but can I be honest with y'all? We're all friends here, right? literally an hour before this interview a whole bottle of water spilled on my computer so what you're going to hear the audio is a little messed up we had some technical difficulties but we move and we get things done because that's what we do uh, i appreciate y'all for for bearing with the the audio um the different audio quality and thanks again to michael arsenal for rocking with us during the technical difficulties all right here's the conversation there's a social media to piss in a dating pool pipeline that feels honestly impossible to escape unless you hide under a rock in montana and even then some of the piss might seep through I don't know about y'all, but every time I get on socials looking for memes and a good laugh, a bad dating tape just slaps me in the face. Remember the discourse about $200 dates? Or recently, the list of places that are unacceptable for first dates, like the bowling alley, huh? Scratch his head. (laughs) And it also feels like every time you look up, a man with a mic is talking about what quote unquote females bring to the table. It feels like Everyone on the internet is trying to give dating advice that no one asks for, but all of it can't be bad, right? How do you cherry pick what's for you and what's not in such a noisy place? Joining me to break all of this down and to talk about a recent piece that he wrote for HuffPost's Black Love Project about $200 dates and the whole online dating chatter is Cultural Critic. New York Times bestselling author of I Can't Date Jesus, I Don't Want to Die Poor, and his forthcoming book, I Finally Bought Some Jordans, Michael Arsenault. Hey, Michael, thanks for joining me. How are you?
1: Hey, Taryn, I'm I'm happy to see you. It's been a while, a long while.
0: Yeah, it's been too long. It's been too long. There are so many ways that we can take this conversation. It's natural to talk about dating and the pursuit of love or lust or whatever in a way that we're seeking companionship but the way that we talk about it online you know it just feels unhealthy How has dating become such a big part of the regular discourse online in your opinion
1: so um shout out to Erin Evans my editor who basically brought me to you um about this topic because she asked me to write about the discourse of dating culture. I have to say full disclosure, like I thought it was interesting when she asked me to write it, but I'm glad she did because I'm kind of the Grinch or like Scrooge of this type of conversation Um, because as like most things on it, I think people are just saying a bunch of bullshit. But um, that said, I did contextualize it. How I wrote about it was just to say there is a genuine loneliness epidemic in the country. Um, And actually, as I write about in my um new book i used to uh briefly about a year or so um uh, be an advice columnist and most of the questions were about relationships because no one wants to be alone so generally speaking i understand the discourse but i think like most things this idea that social media was to bring us closer together has already proven that it often just brings us apart and not to get too mad about it but i just think generally speaking Social media is designed to get people to argue it, that we ain't making money off of everybody bickering. And this is like the easiest one of the easiest topics to bicker about. And I think generally speaking, a lot of discourse online, a lot of people want to be right. But they necessarily more than they want to be correct they want to be right more than they be correct if that makes sense it's just kind of like to prove a point and argue but no it's basically just every annoying barbershop conversation i've ever heard now magnified on every feed i i have um it makes my headwind want to explode a little bit so hopefully i don't sound too pessimistic but it's like i get it in theory because we should want to connect but most of the conversations our arguments and kind of as I write the thing, kind of like classes, like the two hundred dollar date thing. I'll shut up now, but I don't. I don't think it's. I'm not just being a grinch of it for the sake of. I just don't think the purpose to bring people closer together or actually to make a connection. More more times than not, you don't find it through that discourse. It's just you're fussing and passing time.
0: I feel like these conversations are kind of inescapable, and I feel like the first time that heard about like these very sexist and heteronormative ways of looking at dating was I remember I was back in school and for whatever reason I couldn't have been like older than like middle school or high school years but everybody was reading act like a lady think like a man by uh Steve Harvey I just feel like there's like I relate a lot of the conversations today whether it be you know like the podcast about you know what people may or may not bring to the table or you know the conversations about you know what a man should make or what a woman should do or shouldn't do back to that and I know that that wasn't the beginning of it but there was this like Sort of pipeline or, you know, this domino effect that I think empowered a lot of people, emboldened a lot of people really to give their opinions on what dating should or should look like for more so like the masses rather than like the individual, you know, relationship.
1: Yes, actually, I don't, to not sound, again, I sound completely pessimistic. I think generally speaking, I like to read or listen to people talk about relationships and dating right. with their journeys alike. I think that can be very useful in of itself. But in, in terms of like discourse in particular, to your point, what bothers me is that, you know, a lot of what you mentioned, and again, some people might have meant it in earnest. I don't know a lot about the rest the relationship, Google Hustle, hustle, is that it's a lot of people making money off of like a societal problem. Sometimes that's real or in a a lot of cases, the black women imagine, because a lot of that, even the Steve Hart, the era is what predates that and kind of what went in tandem with it after a while was that there was this ongoing myth about the lonely black woman. Yeah, and especially lonely professional black women in media, and when you get that over and over again, you believe it. So you look for answers because you obviously take your individual life automatically. So it's like a mirror when that might not be the case. That said, like there, like again, there's a legitimate loneliness epidemic in America, and people mm. have answers for it. But I think for me, what again, like the problem about the internet, social media in particular, I just think while that might be pockets of the internet where you can find good discourse and maybe it actually helps you and you learn from something or your challenge or whatever, or it might be just a complete waste of time, but it was useful in some way. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that exists, but it's, then it's like the Kevin Samuels, mm-hmm. because of social media, the way things work and the end of like that algorithm, it just becomes so homogenous where it's just yeah. like a bunch of people who have a legitimate issue, like wanting to find a connection just kind of arguing about the same thing over and over again and kind of, and it reflects in queer people too, because dumb conversations alone annoy me just as much. It's like, for me, what I feel bad about after so many years of watching discourse is that it's a lot of people getting caught up in arguments about standards, oftentimes not either not made with that individual in mind, or it's just like an outdated standard. And so it's like, what are y'all arguing Mm -hmm. about? You know, or it's just kind of another way which is what a lot of the internet is now to me. Um, and I write about that in the book. That's kind of why it's on my brain. It's like, some people just kind of want to dunk on somebody. Yeah. So what yeah. is the whole point of the conversation? Like, I, I don't want to go to Cheesecake Factory. OK, right. I, there's a thing called standards, but then it's also just like you're dunking on somebody. And it's like, it's yeah. always just like content.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's, so like, that's what bothers me, that it's like content. Because I don't think necessarily all content is really useful.
0: Right. Yeah, there's I definitely I definitely hear you on that because I think that that is probably where it bothers me the most. I think there's always or not always, but oftentimes this nastiness or this I would never or this. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh, um, that can never be me. Or, you know, on the other side, like, oh, it's giving pick me. It's giving, you know, all of these other things that that position one person or one side on a pedestal versus the other side. And oftentimes it sounds just like stupid, you know, it's it's goofy. It is. It's really goofy, but at the same time, it has real world implications. And I think about like yes. the expectations that a lot of people have, you know, the expectations that hell, even when I was dating that I had that related directly to the things that I read online. And I'm wondering, like, what you see as far as like that relationship of like, is it symbiotic or how symbiotic is it where our real world expectations reflect kind of what we put online or, you know, those opinions online and how much of those opinions kind of start to trickle into our real world. It feels like a cycle, right?
1: I love us for real, but just, it reminds me of like, I know what the average median income in America is in particular when it's a racial breakdown. It ain't that high yet. Every couple of months I will see people arguing about a date being $200. And to your que- question, like, I just think for a lot of people what they consume online they internalize and think is real to the point that a lot of people are out here, and it's not normal just being normal, but they think right. they are literally the hero of an R&B song about some trifling dude that don't want to trick on them. <laughs> or they think they're like a real housewife. It is just strange. Like I, yeah. I, I, I'm really trying not to be all humbug on all of it, but like that I hope that answers the question. Like to me, that's kind of an example of like, cause sometimes when you just, and again, like I'm a, per, I, I mean, I'm in a lately, I'm in grief mode, but like when I go outside, it's always relationship discourse. And you can tell just for me, entering my pop pop uncle era at this point, like you can see, feel the transition of how like the, the a lot of conversations have kind of evolved and people literally just, it's I was like, it's just on the internet. Like that's not real. No people lying. It's just yeah. a skit. Or it should yeah. be a skit. I just, yeah. That's-
0: but that's the thing. Like it's not a skit for a lot of people. And it 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 comes down to like their yes or no or their ick or you know whatever the hell the opposite of an ick is um but i also love that you said you're in your pop pop era because I it's given
1: that that it's it's given the fourth decade in a minute um
0: (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like i don't know i feel like there's something like very freeing about you know releasing yourself from the discourse but also you know i don't know everybody want love everybody want you know to to get chosen all of that. And I know that you heard about the Risa Tisa um who the fuck did I marry Saga that happened on TikTok. I know you said you ain't you ain't the, watched the eight the, hours. I
1: saw, <laughs> I saw the I read the cliff notes. Um yeah. and to my point, like it's people now that are like I'm not reading all that. I'm like, but you want to have a conversation. And anyway, I, I I got it. She married a scammer who lies but, um not that well to me, but she she fell for it. She she believed if that's real, I'm not to be cynical, but it gave. Is that about to be a 2B original?
0: I mean, low key. If it's not, it should be. Right. I can't help but to, you know, think about how many people are desperate in that space who would be susceptible to lies, to scams, even just to like regular, regular heartbreak because they have their expectations to that where. Our economy just isn't, <laughs>
1: right. to, be,
0: to be very honest. And, you know, it just concerns me a lot when it comes to the state of where we are, not just even when it comes to how we find love and how we date and all that, but also something that you wrote about in um, I finally bought some Jordans, how we actually like ourselves and how we view ourselves. Can you talk a little bit more about um, about your views there?
1: Um, and I'm gonna make sure I preface this with like I'm very much talking about myself. So there's really no benefit of having like a chaotic, broken kind of childhood. But one thing I did get from that very early in life was that a relationship, particularly a marriage and granted I'm gay, so that's really complicated. I couldn't even legally get married at the time. But I never saw a partner as like what would define me as a person it's more of an addition to my life not the requirement if anything the pursuit of a partner at all costs or having to be burdened with a partner for whatever reasons particularly money kind of like actually takes away from your life rather than as and then there's a lot of like people around that become carnage doesn't mean I don't love my parents um but that's it like you know I saw firsthand what Marriage is not the end all be all. And generally speaking, nobody wants to be alone. You know, I write openly about my situation, Chappelle. I've written past books like, I attracted unattainable people because I wasn't unattainable. I would like to think I'm pretty self-aware. That being said, like, while I understand why people feel loneliness, we all fear that on some level. I don't personally think being single is the worst thing in the world. And a lot of the conversations kind of begin from the opposite standpoint. And again, just generally speaking, some of the the the, 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 the same topics over and over again. The first thing about them is that, like again, the two hundred dollar day thing is classes. If people want to eat ass, you eat it or not. If you want to be in this situation, be in it. You don't need to argue about some hypothetical situation that you're not in, like. Not to like be old crank about it, but like go outside and meet somebody or like try on an app where you could actually date people. Um, Hope I actually answered the question. I just ran into But I just think a lot of, even when I say about the elitism and the and just the point of arguing again, it's like just to, it's getting a cheap thrill just to dunk on somebody, which always to me is a sign of somebody. If you look for that type of cheap thrill online, which is a lot of people, again, we're wired to be that way, to Mm -hmm. dunk on somebody or to argue or to one up. That's like feeling like a void that 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 is, that is incapable of feeling if that makes sense like i just think it's a waste yeah. of time i think a lot of people again so there's a loneliness epidemic in this country we are made to feel insecure about being single it is hard harder than ever to make connections a lot of people don't talk about how weird everything is post-played there's just a lot going on and i think a lot of people are struggling the economy is not as great as some campaigns would like you to believe people are really just and no one talks about any of this stuff. So I just think it's a lot that people are carrying. And instead of actually maybe having those conversations, they just argue. Hope I don't sound like Aliyah or somebody, Um, but <laughs> beloved. I just want us to kind of, yeah, hope that hope I made sense.
0: No, you absolutely did. You you did, beloved. And. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't even have to cry in your bosom in order for, uh, for us to get that wisdom. But no, I, I really do feel like you give some really great advice. You've definitely given me some sound advice in the past that's held up. I'm wondering, what do you suggest someone who is navigating the online discourse and trying to figure out like what approach of dating is right for them? Like What, what would you tell them?
1: I mean if you look to online advice you can find you can find something valuable in anything even like the dumbest conversation ever but in terms of actually dating and making connections I increasingly question whether the internet is the answer. Mm-hmm. Um it can be helpful but I just think it's social media not necessarily. I'd rather slide in somebody's DM than argue on Twitter about something. If you're yeah. actually looking to date, I can scroll through and see what the people are arguing about. But usually it's the same shit people always talking about like they always do. It's sort of again, it's like a barbershop conversation that I tune out and I just hope my barber hurry so I can get my fade and go. <laughs> <laughs> he love I, I love the barber, but he loved Kevin Samuels. And believe me, um, I God bless the dead. But that gave me a headache, even though. He said horrible yeah. things,
0: so I didn't like it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I read the chapter about your barber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you know, but you know, we all gotta, we all gotta do what what makes us feel good. We all gotta, you know, keep that lineup crispy, keep that, you know, keep them edges laid, all that. It's like oh. eating
1: Chick Fil A. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs>
0: no, I look <laughs> <laughs>
1: that Christian chick. That Christian chicken. I'm sorry. That Christian
0: child that christian chicken and that you a gay person serving me and you know what that really be the that really be the thing and it be the church. ones. yes yes and it be the ones in atlanta whenever i go to atlanta <laughs> the atlanta yes. chick my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure indeed <laughs> i i would be remiss to have you on here mm-hmm. and not have you weigh in on the Real Housewives of Atlanta a facelift that seems to oh. be happening. Candy left. Portia is coming back. There's a lot going on. What do you make of these changes? Do you think it's enough to revitalize the franchise?
1: Um, depending on how the rest of the casting goes, okay. I was actually fine with Candy Stan, but I understand why she left. She's like, you know what? Maybe I don't need this check, which I think what really kept her on. Yeah. She'll she can always come back. I like that Portia's back. I can't believe I mean, I saw the story about Simon allegedly being a scammer, but isn't this Media Takeout? I didn't know Media Takeout was still with us. I thought the shade room stomped over her grave, but <laughs> the two thousands are back. Okay. Um they need to bring Phaedra back. Like let, let's just Yes. We need Phaedra. I don't need Marlo. No. Sheree, I don't need, but she can stay. The Kim Ziac rumors, I'd rather not. She gave no. Trump she gave Trump country in twenty sixteen and stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to believe it, it will get better than the last two seasons but the fact that Portia is back I think it's helpful so long as she acts like funny Nene when she came back and not mad Nene when she came back because I enjoy <laughs> Portia but Portia was a villain on her own spinoff and she was the EP you know how yeah. you gotta be on some stuff when you're your own villain but that yeah. said I'm glad Portia is rich and happy I'm glad she's coming back we really need to pray about Potomac, though.
0: We uh, listen like literally putting our hands out because I don't know what's going on this season. It's
1: the crafts abs- are not working. We need to at say
0: at all. I, they don't like each other. And it's it's hard to enjoy a show when the entire cast just, like, doesn't like each other. It's, it's right. given light skin versus dark skin. And, you know, I I think it's really gotten old. The whole NECA Wendy beef was old before it even started.
1: Yes, leave us out.
0: Like, leave us the hell out. Um, <laughs> Pivoting to your book, though. I finally bought some Jordans. It hit stands march 12th but is available for pre-order now in this book you're i love your writing just period i, I think so that much. the way you write is just, just with such clarity and conviction but just like also very personable um and honest and your growth is so evident in this collection of essays you talk about your experience through covid how you know you your views changing on your own work and new perspectives that you share about, you know, your journey and not only your journey, but generally the journey for black creatives. I'm wondering what was different for you going into writing this book versus going into writing your previous two books?
1: I usually don't like writing my books, but I've never hated a process so much as this one. Um, So I'm glad the end result is that you really enjoyed it. Um, To be honest, um, a lot of, the book is colored a lot by a lot of the grief that I was carrying that I eventually write about in the book. And then it's coupled with um what happened by the time I um finished it and turned it in, and that my mom um was diagnosed with cancer, and six months later she passed away. So I um I just am in a much more um I have been having a pretty difficult couple of years, and that just really influenced what I wrote. I think sometimes I, I always want to make people laugh and make people think, and I like to think I'm funny, but I didn't necessarily know if this book was funny at all, and then I think after a while I let that go because ultimately that didn't really matter. I just had to be more honest about the space I was in, um, otherwise it wouldn't, it wouldn't be me, so um, it just took a lot longer to finish this because life was difficult, has been difficult since. And yeah, it just colors the book. Um, but I, I do, I worked to end it on a hopeful note. I didn't realize that right after my world would collapse, but even like just knowing that I'm trying to kind of live to the spirit of that. Cause my mom would want me to work. Although I will say it is very strange to be um, very early in grief and, you know, talking about the books all this stuff you know um because levy Levi's been a ball of grief so i'm glad that people have been very kind of receptive to like the book itself but particularly that it's still funny
0: yeah and there was this part um that i was reading and um my heart dropped and i had to literally put the book down because you um you vocalized a Fear that I had, and that so many of us had, and that fear for you recently was realized in uh, yes. losing your mother. I'm just really um, heartbroken, you know, at that news and at you, you know, going through and grieving this. Uh, I, I can't begin to imagine. So my deepest condolences. Can you talk about essentially how you're managing? I mean, you are such a force, Michael. I don't know how you're out promoting this book, talking about it. You've, you know, written about your mother so much. So talk to me about how you're feeling and, and how you're, you know, maintaining
1: First, thank you, I really appreciate it. Um, I am very sad, to be honest. Um, Honestly, you do what you have to do until you don't. Um, I usually just have that attitude to everything. It is a privilege to be able to release another book, but at the same time, it is my livelihood. And so I think, you know, I feel like I literally can't afford to fail. So I'm doing all that I can within my capacity to do my best. I think I realized in the last two days that some days, even when I might have the will, I just won't be able to do it because it's gonna be just this wave of sadness that I can't escape. But um, I'm very early with the grief. It's only been a few short months, but you know, the schedule is the schedule. So I'm kind of just, Doing my best with, um, again, it's a privilege, and I'm grateful. Hope people enjoy the book. Hope people find the book. Please pre-order. But you know, ultimately, it's not my favorite thing to be doing. But I am proud of the book, and more than anything, my mom has been through so much worse. Yet she got up every day and did what she needed to do with great faith, sounds with humor and grace. She just was an amazing, amazing person. And I want her to be at least a smidgen as strong as she has been. And I don't usually want to say strong because sometimes I think that's not the best compliment to give. But I think just in general, my mom stood always very tall, just had a grace and faith in her that I will carry with admiration for, like, hold with admiration for the rest of my life. So, you know, to that, I'm doing my best um, because she would want me to. But it is a challenge. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I wish I could give you the biggest hug right now. Um, I
1: appreciate that too. Um, Hugs are great.
0: Yeah, I'm so, so just so proud of you for the honesty and and strength that you have. You know, especially given that like you know we shouldn't have to always be strong, but you know, yeah, we we have the people who are looking out for us who are you know now ancestors carrying us so that you know we can muster that up i really appreciate you you know coming on and in in doing the show michael i i really do um
1: thank you for having me and I hope i hopefully yeah. i wasn't a buzzkill to people who love to argue and debate relationship topics um queer and hetero or anything
0: else Um, I'm sorry (laughs) Honestly Honestly we need a little We need some more buzz kills because Sometimes I feel like We're a little bit too delusional Okay
1: Yes go outside date whoever you want let people have their things but thank you for having me i really appreciate it
0: of course of course what do you hope people get from your book
1: um usually i just want people to laugh i want people to think um in this case i still want that but for people who felt like the last couple of years have been pretty surreal and find it odd that you're just supposed to be wired to go back as if everything is normal you know you're not alone and i at least try to um Explain what it's been like from my point of view. But um yeah, I hope people really like the book.
0: Quick little rapid fire. What is one thing that's getting you through this week? The rent. <laughs> yeah, um no, that is you know, I really I want my book to do well.
1: You know, mm-hmm. I want my book to do well. Um it's a privilege to get up.
0: What's one thing you know is right?
1: Um my mom about a lot of things. Mm-hmm.
0: And what do you, um, or where can people support you and support this book?
1: Wherever you prefer to buy your book, um, pre-orders really help the life of a book, um, even for authors who've been a little further along. And I'm around the internet, so, you know, Hopefully people enjoyed this. I really am glad I got to talk to you. It's so nice to see from 125th Street to your podcast. I love it.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you.
1: Appreciate you.
0: All right, y'all. That is the show. Huge, huge, huge. Thank you again to Michael Arsenal for joining me this week. And thanks y'all for listening as always. And you already know what I'm about to ask for. I want to hear what y'all want to hear about on the show. So if there's a topic or story that you want me to explore, hit me up at underscore tearing it up. Don't be shy. And don't forget to follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at IKTR pod. That's I know that's right. POD. Go ahead. Hit that follow button. This show is produced by ACAST and recorded right here in Brooklyn, baby. Until next time. Bye y'all.